Broadcasting from high above the reserve, this is Radio Harambe. Jumbo, everyone. Thank you, as always, for tuning in to Radio Harambe. I'm Dave McBride, broadcasting from the Radio Harambe studios, and joining me from the roof of the sands, <laughs> Safari Mike. Mike, how are you today? Why do you insist on talking about <laughs> hotels that were demolished like 20 years ago? Okay, first the, of all. The sands is long gone. It's important to understand. I have no idea what hotels are there or not there. My only frame of reference with hotels are or is Ocean's Eleven Rat Pack movies, <laughs> pretty much. Yep, that's pretty much it. Well, the Flamingo is still there. I know I, the I Flamingo went there. to the Flamingo, yeah. and the Sahara, uh, where it used to be, it, it's a little weird. The, where the Sahara used to be, they demolished it and they put up another resort, but they recently renamed it the Sahara because nobody was going there. So I guess they were trying to really throw up. Yeah, it's beautiful though. I went there; it's very nice. Are they trying to do like an Art Deco? 50s thing that's what they should no do. not really but it's but it's nice they just renamed it the Sahara to kind of like the kind of nostalgic because it was called SLS for a while which who cares I mean what, a, I don't even know what that name means it's not a very exciting name no not at all State it's not like the SLS the, it's not like Caesar's the, Palace right right and I go there, Grand exactly Cosmopolitan right exactly <laughs> when I go there I want to stay at something that sounds grandiose right I mean after all it is Vegas uh, anyway Before we get into today's show, Mike, uh, don't forget, link in the show notes plus the link in all of our social media to go to our T Public page. Mm -hmm. We need you to go there, buy some T-shirts or whatever. There's all sorts of stuff on there. And all the money's going to the International Rhino Foundation. I never know if I'm saying that right. I don't know if it's a fund or a foundation. Uh, (laughs) No, you got it. You got it. All the money we make, every bit of profit is going to them. So head over to that. There's some great stuff on there. Um, let's see. What else do we have to tell you? Uh, well, we'll do all the social media stuff at the end. Anyway, Mike, you had a grand I Speaking of grandiose, you had a grand idea for today's show. Tell the listeners what we're doing. Sure. So, Dave, as uh, I'm sure, uh, you know, going a little bit behind the behind the curtain with the uh, Radio Harambe. For those of you who uh, haven't figured it out yet, most shows, we kind of just wing it. We say ahead of time, <laughs> oh, let's talk about, let's talk about, uh, you know, Don't tell what we, we want to do with with Primeval World. <laughs> or let's, hey, let's talk Don't. about, they rarely involve a lot of research. Mostly my <laughs> research is just leaning over to Christina and say, hey, what would you do with Primeval World? And then right, writing down right, what she tells right, me. Right. So, but there's a rare instance where we actually do like heavy duty research, or at least I do. A couple of the examples of that were when we did real life Avatar Land and when we did how the animals were obtained for Kilimanjaro safaris. So I decided that one of the things I really wanted to talk about and kind of relay to everybody was the art at the Animal Kingdom Lodge. So we're going to do, I think, two episodes. It's probably going to be too long for a single one, but we are going to do at least two episodes on kind of the art of the Animal Kingdom Lodge. 
I did a deep dive research uh, on you know what the various displays are, and the first episode today is more of a broad overview of art in Africa in general and applying it to the Animal Kingdom Lodge in some way. And then the next episode we'll do will be more specifically like a tour of the Jumbo Lobby, how uh, the Jumbo House Lobby and that kind of thing. I'm ready. <laughs> so should we just dive deep I'm ready. in right well, now? See, my problem is I don't remember. Sure. I, I think I'll remember everything you're talking about, but I'm not 100% sure I will. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm not as observant as you are with these things. I, I don't, uh, you know, I just sort of soak it in. I, I'm listening to the music, you know, less of the visuals and more of the music. Well, episode, this first episode then, Dave, is probably more geared towards you because this is more of like a broad overview. And we talk about kind of like the themes in general and the art in general yeah, yeah, of yeah. Africa. Okay. We're ready. All right. Sure. So uh, the Animal Kingdom Lodge obviously is full of art. Anybody who's ever stayed there or been there will be able to see all the different art and its and the decor in general. And uh, the Animal Kingdom Lodge was actually is actually basically an, a museum of African art. And in fact, Disney got uh, quite a few people to help them put together the art. Two of the people are Mary Hannah and Charles Davis. They were consultants um, to help. Disney bring the art from this vast continent of very diverse people. Um, the focus of the Animal Kingdom Lodge is really um, south of the Sahara. And um, the Animal Kingdom itself, um, the Animal Kingdom Lodge itself has a great diversity of art from various peoples of south of the Sahara. Um, it starts from prehistoric time all the way to contemporary times. And of course, Africa, as we all know, is the birthplace of man. And it had one of the first earliest types of art form. Uh, sculpt, sculpture, for example, has started there 2,000 years ago. But Disney, uh, excuse me, the uh, African people used um, wood, clay. Sometimes they would use iron. So a lot of that deteriorated over time. So most of the art that we have today and most of the art that's in the Animal Kingdom Lodge is no greater than 500 years old, which still sounds like uh, pretty old. Um, unlike in Europe... And, of course, we all know European museums with these great paintings and sculptures and, and all that kind of stuff. Art, African art, especially you know, in hundreds of years past, was typically used to serve a purpose. So most of the art is in terms of decorating utensils, decorating pottery, decorating uh, baskets, things like that. And, Dave, I'm sure you realize that as you're walking around at the Animal Kingdom Lodge, even though maybe you don't know specifically what each piece is, I think you get a sense of it's mostly useful things like pottery, you know, uh, pottery, like uh, textiles, like uh, utensils and things like that. Um, there are some more decorative things and there are some more elaborate stuff. I, and usually go ahead. I also know mm -hmm. uh, just I mean, the, the other feel that you get is that um, it's specific to I would guess West Africa or or no maybe not well, West it's, Africa. Well it's no it doesn't it's include like it doesn't include Moroccan and Egyptian and certainly not ancient Egyptian. No. First of all Disney specifically focused on sub-Sahara. Sub-Sahara so, that's the word I was so, looking for. Yeah. So nothing from sort of the Middle East the Mediterranean Africa. Right. Like you're talking about Egypt, Morocco, Libya um none of that is in the Animal Kingdom Lodge. It is specifically sub-Saharan. 
um, and western, so like the rainforest area. Um, interesting you say that, Dave, because as I was going to talk to you in a little bit, but I'll bring it up now, is that the focus, you'll notice a lot of it is from places like Cameroon, the Ivory Coast, Nigeria, which is more of the rainforest Western Africa type as opposed to more Southern Savannah type Africa with, uh, you know, South, South Africa and the like. And that is because um, the people of Western Africa used art a lot more. They were a lot more stationary. They were a lot more, you know, living in villages in the jungle. They were a lot more farmers than South than South. By stationary, um, you mean they were less migratory? Correct. The, okay. the, them in the South were much more nomadic. So, yeah, in, in, so Western Africa um, it was more tribal, you know, more village oriented as opposed to nomadic. So there was a lot more art there. So that's why the focus is more, or at least more of the art pieces are from Western Africa. You'll see a lot from, like I said, Cameroon, the Ivory Coast. You also notice that the more elaborate the item is usually means the higher social station the person who has the art was or is um but the object almost always still contains like some sort of function um many tribes believe that the beauty in these arts connect sort of connect the family to the spirit world and african artists often and you probably get a sense of this they often have to strive for like a balance where there's like a lot of rigid lines especially in the textiles um a lot of bright colors well, great example of that is they have our favorite Barutica band. The co the coloring, they had, the costumes they had, yeah, very rigid, very structured lines, and very colorful. Um, the uh, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about the kente cloth in a little bit. But anyway, um, humans and animals are often the primary subject of various art forms, and there are essentially eight types of art that were used in Africa. And I'm going to go through them briefly for each one. There are masks. Statues, furniture, textiles, pottery, beadwork, baskets, and metalwork. And most of the ones that have a, more of a defined shape, like metalwork, for example, were uh, traditionally furnished by men. And more of the decorative things, like paintings and textiles, were traditionally done by women. Obviously, in today's day and age, that doesn't really hold water anymore. But back right. in ancient times, that that's how they really did it. Let's talk about masks first. And you see a lot of masks in the Animal Kingdom Lodge. They were created for a much deeper purpose than just decorating. They were designed or they are designed to connect people to the spirit world. And um, they would kind of try to relay ideals of the tribe or religious beliefs. They're often very large. And Dave, I'm sure you noticed this in some of the masks. They often have very exaggerated features. Right. For, uh, they were typically used in ceremonies like funerals and, and reenactments of legends and things like that. But um, some of them, the, like the, for example, a uh, in Africa, many of the tribes traditionally believed that the center of a person's soul, for lack of a better word, was the head. While you know, Western culture, you talk more about what's in your heart and blah 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 that kind of thing. In Africa, it was more head oriented and therefore tribal leaders for example would if they had some sort of mask designed in their likeness would have incredibly enlarged heads because they were supposed to be great um most scholars believe that the masks themselves are probably the most dramatic art form for for this purpose because they're so exaggerated and when you're walking around the animal kingdom lodge and you see masks and things like that you'll and, and sculptures of people you'll see that they're 
features, whether it's their heads themselves, ears, noses, whatever it is, are very exaggerated. Also very the personal. Per- you know, I mean, they're they're right. they're art. That's an art form that's meant to be worn on a person rather than mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. looked at. Anyway, purposes for the masks: you'd be either to communicate with the god, with gods, commemorate the dead. Sometimes they would have ceremonies to sort of aid in the hunt or even to heal people. Now let's jump to clothing and textiles. We were talking a little bit about Barutica before and, uh, you know, kind of what they're, the, co- the costumes that they had. You can also see this a little bit in the Festival of the Lion King or some of the other uh, people that are walking around Africa, like the, the, some of the other entertainers. Um, the African clothing was there to symbolize mood. It was supposed to uh, have power and authority as expressed in their clothing. Kente cloth, which is a specific kind of cloth uh, common in Africa, Uh, In certain cultures, like the Ashanti uh, people, only the leader of the tribe was allowed to wear kente cloth. And they were typically bright, as you see in Barutica. There's a lot of greens, oranges, yellows. uh, And they symbolize certain things. So black, which is also another common, although not bright, it's commonly used, uh, expresses earth, strength, vitality. White would symbolize death and the supernatural. Green symbolizes rain and renewal. And red, of course, represents blood. Some of the other things are statues and sculptures that you'll see. And again, these are often used to symbolize gods or the worship of elements. Now, typical in Africa, they believe in four elements. Dave, do you know what the four elements are in in Africa? You mean like earth, wind, and fire kind of elements? Yes, earth, wind, and fire. Earth, wind, and fire are three of the four. What's the fourth? Water. It is not. In uh, Africa, is typically light is the fourth element, which is a little bizarre. But that, that, that's what that, no, that's what it's they not bizarre. I mean, I <laughs> just makes now, sense here, that if they're not on the ocean, they wouldn't have water. I guess so. right. In in um, African culture, traditionally, well, you know, here for example, for centuries, when we worship, we would go to a church, uh, whether it's uh, or a temple, whether you're. Christian or Jewish or Muslim, they're typically as some sort of center of worship. That wasn't really true in traditional African uh, villages. And instead, it was art where, you know, they would worship at sculptures or things like that that were in the villages themselves. Um, They often used wood and clay, but they also would use ivory. Elephants are found throughout the continent, at least sub-Saharan continent. You won't find them in Egypt, but you'll find them in the rainforests. Uh, in Central Africa, as well as the southern savannah that, of course, we all see uh, at uh, Kilimanjaro safaris. So would they hunt elephants for that? I mean, was, uh, elephants weren't a food source, were they? No, not really. I mean, as you can imagine, if, if you're a uh, Maasai Mari tribesman wielding a spear and a shield, very little chance you're actually bringing down an elephant. Well, that was really my um, question. Let's get right. <laughs> to, let's get right down to it. So instead, uh, you know, the, obviously... We all know the myth of an elephant graveyard. There are certain areas where elephants will go to when they're when they're about to pass away, and um, you know they would collect the 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 ivory from deceased elephants, but they would not kill an elephant. I, I suppose if they came across a gravely wounded or dying elephant, they might you know eat it, but it, it wasn't like a staple of their food source. Um. Anyway, elephants. They, by the way. Um, are often used in images. And I'm talking about imagery now. Elephants symbolize... Dave, you could probably guess what an elephant symbolizes in in African cultures. What, Intelligence what, or uh, strength? 
Strength it is, Dave. Yeah. Very good. Strength. So like if you see an elephant in uh, art, it, typically it's symbolizing strength. A leopard would uh, symbolize cleverness in, in many cultures. And uh, they use this imagery to sort of invoke spiritual power. Again, we were talking a little bit before those geometric designs that are specially used in the various textiles. They often are trying to say some sort of symbolic meaning in those uh, specific geometric designs. Now, another type of imagery is abstract imagery, which is, of course, common in modern art. Um, but in Africa, it wasn't all that typical. However, we were talking about this before. They often over-exaggerate features in sculptures. So this over-exaggerating uh, was typically there instead of beauty. They didn't focus on, you know, uh, Venus, uh, you know, the painting is, is, is symbolizing of beauty. They didn't really care about that in their imagery. Instead, their shapes are much more simple. The colors are bright but often limited. And the features are exaggerated to sort of give you some sort of sense of the, the being that they're trying to, um, you know, either sculpt or, or image. There really wasn't any painting um, in Africa until more modern times. Uh, abstraction is often an attempt to depict deities or spirits as well. So, um, again, they're kind of given the metaphysical importance of gods in these abstractions. And as I was talking about before, rulers were often given large heads because that was a symbolization of power and leadership as the head is the center of one's being in many parts of Africa. Now, let's talk about the different regions as we were talking about before, when you uh, when you brought it up, Dave, um, much of the art at the Animal Kingdom Lodge is geared towards Western and Central Africa. Those areas had a much stronger artistic tradition than the more nomadic tribes of the Southern Sahara. Uh, uh, sorry, Southern Savannah, not Sahara. Um, so they were much more settled. They were into farming. There was much more of a of a home where you would have a village and each person would have their home and they would, you know, farm within the jungle. So that's why there is a lot of art from Nigeria, the Ivory Coast, Cameroon, located in both the Animal Kingdom Lodge and Kadani Village. Um, the West, the Western Africa, which is this rainforest Africa, was had, there was much more of a sculpture tradition. Wood carving, for example, was very prominent in Nigeria and the Ivory Coast. Uh, clay sculptures, jewelry, weaving, bronze casting, all common in those areas um and you know these traditions were what drove religion what drove kings and crops and they you know, they would often use this in ceremonies to celebrate whatever spirit they're trying to get protection from whatever king is uh, in charge of their area now whatever crops that they're trying to grow um there are some typical things like the sinufu people of the ivory coast would always put a female figure on top of the staff of the leader, and that was a symbolization of fertility, so that they were trying to, uh, you know, help the tribe not only with, uh, you know, producing young and you know keeping the village going, but also to help with crops and things like that. Um, Ghana in Ghana, they use kente cloth and gold in designs to help um, leaders symbolize power. Now in East Africa. Um, here, the religious is typically more uh, more prominent, and masks, statues, and sculptures, and things like that were used for religious purposes. And those uh, rituals would be whether it's initiation, death, marriage. It was very focused on religion in Eastern Africa. 
um, in Southern Africa. Uh, these are the these are local religions. We're not talking about Christianity and that. Kind of, of course, thing. we're talking about when they were worshiping you know, various spirits, various uh, gods. You know, each village had their own kind of. There was some overlap, but each village had their own kind of sort of pantheon of whether it was spirits or gods or whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, that they would pray to and ask for protection for the village or help with the crops or help with the hunt or whatever it was. Um, you know, it's not not too dissimilar from Western, you know, ancient Western culture where, you know, the Greek Greeks believed in a whole pantheon of gods and they would, you know, worship a specific one or, you know, pray to a specific one for whatever it is. You know, if they were going on a hunt, they would pray to Artemis, the, the great hunter, you know, whatever it is. Not not too dissimilar from that. But of course, right. they had their own. Uh, their, own, their own pantheon in each one. Um, getting to Southern Africa real quick as we are kind of winding it down. Um, this has some of the oldest art in the world, but there was less of an artistic tradition uh, in their culture as I was talking about before. However, there were some things that they did, um, mostly art that could you know be on the move. For example, um, beadwork was common in South Africa. Um, women in those areas would, you know, create these um, this beadwork that would that established, you know, if you saw somebody with a certain type of beadwork, you would know what their rank was, what their profession was, what, um, you know, perhaps, you know, how much money they had or however you define wealth. Um, so the beadwork was a way to it's almost like a badge of honor of, of, of what you did or or what you were about. Um Zulu were also uh, good with uh, woodworking, so they had a rich, um, you know, rich tradition of woodworking, and they would use these in um, various things. And they also were very good, David. You would like this. The Zulu were very good at brewing beer, and made uh, specific pottery for uh, pots for beer. So, Mike, um, one thing you could always be sure of as you work your way down through history to ancient cultures all over the world. Is beer will play a major part in that <laughs> beer history. or wine, anyway. Yes, yes. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about Central Africa before we talk a little bit more about the lodge itself. Um, and that is Central Africa again, uh, like well, Western Africa. The art reinforces the authority of leaders. Um, the Luba people and the Kuba people, both uh, located in the Western Congo area, uh, use statues to represent their kings. They would make statues for, you know, passed away kings and they would have a prominent area in the village. Uh, Western Congo, uh, they would use figurines to protect against enemies. And they would actually, uh, they believed that these statues, these figurines that they make were magic. And when they drove a nail into the figure, that would activate the magic. Not dissimilar to voodoo, which of course has uh, some of its, um, you know, I guess background is, you know, stems from African traditions. So that's kind of like the various areas of Africa, just kind of like a broad overview of the types of stuff you could see there. But let's talk about, before we uh, end for today, Dave, let's talk about the Animal Kingdom Lodge itself. When they, they were devised, you know, coming up with the plan for the Animal Kingdom Lodge, they had um, not only people who were involved in the art itself, and we mentioned them before, Mary Hannah and Charles Davis were consultants, but they, had, they brought in some other people who... Um, were scholars um, in African art. Uh, there was a man by the name of Herbert Cole and a woman by the name of Dorn Ross 
who um, were scholars in African art, and they were hired by Disney to come in and sort of uh, help set the stage. They also had a, a, a gallerist who we mentioned before, Charles Davis, who was actively involved in helping sort of fill out the Animal Kingdom Lodge. Um, they didn't have anything to do with the building of it, but they had to do with uh, filling it with various art. Now, there's two kinds of visual culture that you will see in the Animal Kingdom Lodge. And the, the two different ones are the art displays and the decor itself. So the art displays themselves are basically the mu museum pieces that you see behind glass and things like that. But that's not the only thing, uh, the only art that the Animal Kingdom Lodge uh, conveys to you. There is also um, the decor itself. And there's also, Dave, and I think you would appreciate this, it's not, there's not just visual culture given to you in the Animal Kingdom Lodge, but there is also audio culture at the Animal Kingdom Lodge. And I, many people who, um, who are fans of background loops uh, will tell you that some of the best background music is located at the Jumbo House or Kidani Village, um, whether it's the holiday oh, yeah. version or the regular version. Um, oh, yeah. The, yeah, the, back, the background music itself is designed and they do this in the animal kingdom too to uh, well, all the parks really but the i think the animal kingdom lodge and the animal kingdom itself are probably the best at it and that is using sound music to put you in a place to help you detach yourself from florida and put you in africa um and i think dave i, I know you're a big fan of the background music of uh, of the animal kingdom lodge as many people are and if you want to go out there, there are plenty of uh, YouTube sites and you oh, know yeah. various audio things where you could just you know click on it and, and they have the whole entire background music uh, for you. The great thing they, about you, yeah, that, I mean the great thing about this background music is it's not original for Disney. It's they have curated a collection mm -hmm. of music from all over Africa that is mostly modern. It's you know um, music from the last you know, I don't know thirty years or so. And right. it's a gateway to finding some of the great artists of African music. I mean, South African music, um, some of the jazz and some of the even, um, you know, what you would call contemporary music that they play on there is all incredible. They have a fair share of what we would call sort of traditional music played by contemporary musicians, um, much in the same way as you would hear you know, sort of uh, an Irish folk band playing jigs uh -huh. and reels. It's kind of the same thing that they do here. It's it's contemporary players playing what we call traditional music of Africa, but it's not all that. A lot of it is also some pop music and some stuff like that. So yes, take a listen, get your Shazam app, and uh, <laughs> and uh, get some of the artists and start poking through some of the other stuff these artists have because some of them are just brilliant. Yeah, and even if you don't do that, um, I think the the music itself. As, as an art form, um, really conveys, like I said, a sense of place. It really puts you, even if you're not sitting there and like focusing on the music, just to have it in the back of your mind and just sort of permeates throughout the uh, resort and really gives you a sense of, hey, I'm in Africa. I'm not in Florida anymore. It's not Orlando anymore. We are in uh, Kenya or Nigeria or the Ivory Coast. Um, and Disney was very sensitive to that. And one of the, th one of the reasons they brought in uh, these scholars, for example, uh, like Mr. Colin and Miss Ross, were to um, avoid pitfalls of um, uh, what's what's the of stereotypes. They did not want uh, just sort of a hotel version of, for example, the Jungle Cruise, which is just 
very much stereotypes. In fact, <laughs> you know, the Jungle Cruise itself is coming under fire, and we're, we're going to see some changes oh, in God. it. Oh God! But um, you know that kind everything's of, coming uh, under fire now, isn't it? <laughs> well, that's maybe that's a show for a different day. But I think so. Um, yeah, they, but like, uh, but the Jungle Cruise. I mean, I think we can all agree whether you think it should be gotten rid of or not is stereotypical. It's not, you know, it's what the West thinks, or at least used to think, you know, back in the early part of the last century, what they thought of Africa was sort of the dark continent and, tri- you know, tribes and stuff like that. In fact, but Disney, go ahead. It, it is that, but it's that with a, I think back then, certainly Walt Disney knew what Africa was really like. What he was sure. doing was portraying, uh, a joke. He was he was doing it humorous, sure, humorously. Sure. He wasn't he wasn't trying to say this is what Africa's like. He was trying to say this uh, is what stupid understood. people think of Africa. <laughs> <laughs> right. It was a joke. I, I, I understand. I'm sure if you ask Disney, he didn't think they were all you know people living in tribes and hunting zebra. They, um, but they were very <laughs> conscious. Disney here, for example, Dorn Ross was quoted as saying that um, you know there was a sensitivity to terminology even. So when you're walking around and looking at the art pieces, you will never see, I don't think, the word tribe. They never say, you know, the uh, Zulu tribe or the Ashanti tribe or the Koba tribe. They will say, use the term people. Right. Because they don't want to be the, the stereotypical, they don't want to portray the stereotypical version of Africa. They want you to appreciate what Africa really is and what the culture really is, whether that's through music or through some of the other things that they do. And it's not only um, the artwork itself, it's not only the museum pieces, and there are hundreds of them throughout both of the resorts, but it's also the design of the building itself and the decor of itself. As I said a few moments ago, the visual culture portrayed here is in two ways, the art displays. So this, you know, this is a 400 year old piece from the Koba people of the Ivory Coast, you know, pottery. But that's also the decor itself. So, uh, for example, the stools, the chairs, the tables are all uh, take African design. And in many ty- many cases, were actually uh, made by African uh, companies. Uh, the Maasai shields that are used as chandeliers, uh, they are not, uh, were not created by uh, African companies. And in fact, if you Look at them. They're various colors. And I think you you know what I'm talking about, Dave. The big chandeliers at the Jumbo House, they have like these um, Maasai shields like surrounding them. Um, typically, Maasai shields um, were black and red. So they use a lot of different colors. And even the shields that you see on the doors for the hotel use are usually more colorful than what the Maasai actually used. But again, they're trying to give you a sense of Africa. Um, elephant tusks are on the balconies, and they, those are carved just like the people, the Congo people would do. Um, uh, the Africa, the carpet itself is African textiles from African companies. The lights are look like the heads of tribal drums. The wallpaper is a map of Africa. Uh, there are four. What uh, the sort of the scholars here, the Miss Ross said, were there are really four components of. Um, art in the Animal Kingdom Lodge and that they relate entertainment, education, escape, and aesthetics. So the aesthetics, of course, is the decor itself, but entertainment is, you know, I guess the art designs and the art displays themselves are entertained. People are entertained by going around and looking at art, but also the music. 
um, and some of the other things that they do in the lodge. The education is found, found throughout, whether it's the art displays or, you know, people from Africa themselves. Uh, I, we've talked about this in, um, in previous shows. There are the people who live, work there, many of them, are from Africa. Um, I'm not sure how COVID has affected uh, some of these programs of, of bringing uh, people from Africa to the United States to work here, but they would have cultural interactions with um, you. So there were talks from people like you may see somebody from Botswana. Um, he'll give a little cultural ambassador talk at, uh, you know, you have to check the times at, at, at your resort. But you can go there and you can listen to hear her, him or her talk about Botswana, what it was like to live there. And oftentimes they will relay um, some of the decor and the art of uh, Botswana and talk about it a little bit. Um, escape, of course, you know, the safari itself, the savanna itself, I should say, provides an escape. Uh, the art and the decor really, as we were talking about before, and even the music too, puts you in a sense of you're in Africa, you're no longer in Florida. And, um, of course, the aesthetics, that's easy to relay. Um, as we were talking about before, the art in here is mostly useful. Uh, the West did not, uh, for many years, the West did not recognize uh, African art as anything at all. I mean, art, um, you know, for many centuries, art only came from uh, Western Europe and Asia. I mean, you know, Japan had a very, you know, many cultures in Asia had a tradition of painting. We've all seen, we've seen that in various museums or, or whatnot. And of course, the West had Rembrandt and Picasso and et cetera. They did not appreciate African art uh, until very recently. The, the fact that it was mostly useful items that they did, whether it was, um, you know, pottery, baskets or what, it wasn't appreciated as it was, as the stuff in the, in the West was. And it was only recently uh, that Africa has gotten a tradition of paintings and sculpt you know, more more elaborate sculptures and things like that, more interpretive uh, art as opposed to useful art. Anyway, Dave, um, you know well, the, that there is, are some that is the big difference, right? With the with African yeah. art is that what you're looking at in those display cases is often things items that were not necessarily made for the kind of with the kind of goal in mind that the word art, mm -hmm. you know, denotes for us in the West. So that's, that's what makes them so interesting. So much more personal, you know, right. than, than a piece of art here. Now, uh, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, Van Gogh wasn't, wasn't his, his work isn't personal. Certainly it is, but it's a different, it's a different way of, uh, you know, much of Western art was made for the church. Certainly mm -hmm. old art, you know, was made with very different goals in mind than the stuff that you're seeing here. And I think that's, you know, you keep you have to keep that in mind when you're walking around and seeing these pieces, and I think that's that's why this information was so great, Mike. Yeah, and you know, Dave, it's not just as I was talking about; it's not just old stuff that they have in the Animal Kingdom Lodge. There is more modern uh, attempts at art as well. For example, I think you may have seen these. I, I think some people have seen them, but um, there's baskets and some art made from you, uh, you know, old telephone wires. Uh, the Zulu tribe or, you know, would use old telephone wires to make baskets and things like that. And as I was talking about before, paintings and things like that did not really come into form for, for in African culture until very recently. But in Boma, there is a, a very large mural 
And that was actually designed by an African artist named Baba Wagu Dayakite, I believe is how you pronounce his last name. Uh, so there's some modern things as well as, uh, you know, ancient things um, that you see in the art displays. But they, that's kind of like our broad overview of the Animal Kingdom Lodge. And when we talk next time, you know, we'll talk about um, specifically the stuff in the, the lobbies of the Jumbo House and some of the other stuff. So that, you know what I, I like to do, Dave, you know, we've had a few of these tours that we've done um, where you're, you know, walking around the Maharaja Jungle Trek and I'll, you can listen to the podcast and we'll sort of get a tour of it. Right. You could sort of do that with what, what, what we'll do uh, next time when that's the lobby of the Jumbo House and some of the other things. I will give you uh, the details of certain pieces of art. Uh, both at Jumbo House and at Kadani Village. But I will save that for next time, Dave. Well, thank you so much for that. Mike, you need to do more research for these podcasts more often. <laughs> right, well, it's a lot of work, Dave. It took me a while. To, to anyway, uh, as Mike said, our next show is going to be sort of a follow-up to this, so stay tuned for that one. Uh, subscribe to the show if you don't already, and that way you know when that's coming out. Uh, you can also follow us on all the social media, uh, Facebook, at Radio Harambe. Um, you can go on Twitter. Mike is at Jumbo Everyone. Uh, I'm at Radio Harambe. You can go on Instagram at Disney's Animal Kingdom and find us there. Uh, and like I said, the next show will be out in a week or two, and then you'll uh, get kind of a new perspective on the next time you're walking around Disney's Animal Kingdom. And uh, Mike is going to be going to Disney within mm-hmm. the next uh, couple of weeks. So we're going to do these two shows, and then we're going to have a uh, report from... Um, the Animal Kingdom. Do a trip report. All right, I'll do a trip report. Not only a trip That's report, Mike. I, I I would like you to do a walkthrough if you can. Like you know, uh, even if you're just recording stuff on your phone and sending it through, is what you're seeing and what it's like down there. And then yeah, I think we need to talk about um, what Disney looks like now, uh, because I think what we're seeing now is what we're going to see for the next couple of months, and I think it'd be good for listeners to know uh, firsthand what this is, what it's like down there, and you know that kind of stuff. So. Not just a couple of months, Dave. It might be longer than that. <laughs> uh, I think it'll. Yeah, I mean, I think it'll evolve. Certainly in Florida, it seems to be evolving, um, and um, I think it will evolve. But I, yeah, I, I, I agree. I think what you're seeing now is probably what you're going to see here in March is probably what we're going to see. What most people are going to see as travel begins to open up again, which we're hoping is, you know, is in this calendar year. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I mean, we all hope to be able to get out of the house. Uh, like you are, Mike. Uh, you know yeah. uh, how you're tearing yourself away from the rooftop bar at the Sands. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> he is. Anyway, I guess that's it, right? Yeah, that's it. For Safari Mike, I'm Dave McBride. Quaharini, go well. Thank you for listening to Radio Harambe. <laughs> Quaku walfamelako na kungugu na utuku